Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts and stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's seeing driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. And now, here is your host, DJ Bob. You can never start the holidays too early, and that is why our next guest is here. My friend and longtime favorite of the show, Lori Berkner and the Lori Berkner Men have a new album out now, Another Lori Berkner Christmas. And she's here with us to talk about the new album, the guest stars, and her childhood Christmas memories. Enjoy it. It's a fun chat. Thank you so much for joining us and happy early holidays to you. Oh, you're so welcome. I thought you were talking to the audience. <laughs> I'm really glad to be here. <laughs> well, I'm talking to all of us, all of you here. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you. I mean, you've been such a big advocate for what we do here in my work. So I'm more than happy to talk all things Christmas with you. Excellent. Let's get into the holiday spirit. Speaking of that, obviously this is a Christmas album. This is your second Christmas record. Yes. So when do you go about recording this? Like July? Yes. <laughs> they both were, I think my first one was definitely recorded in July and maybe some of August and same with this one. How do you get in the spirit? Because... I mean, the songs help a great deal, but is there anything fun that you guys do to sort of get into that mode? I I didn't do this this year, but the first time we actually did put lights up (laughs) just to really feel it. But this year, I don't know. I didn't, I felt like I was kind of there anyway. I didn't really need the extra things. I was just thinking a lot about Christmas songs and, you know, the studio is very air conditioned. So it was always freezing in there anyway. I couldn't tell and there's no windows. So (laughs) I can't tell what time of day, what time of year it is. And we just used our imaginations. Yeah. I mean, something that I always love is just the idea of Christmas music. It's a genre in a song. So it's no secret that you love Christmas music. <laughs> yes, I do. But tell us a bit about this album and what separates it from your last. Um, well, I mean, one of the biggest things is, of course, different songs. Um, and that was fun, actually, just to try to like make a decision about, okay, 
what is the next batch of songs I'm going to record um, that are, you know, all Christmas. And then, well, they're not all Christmas. We do have um, a remix of one of my songs called Happy New Year that's at the end. So there's a little movement on to the next year at the end of the album with the Happy New Year dance remix. And then the other part is just writing new songs for it. So I have three originals on this one. Can you hear my dog in the background? <laughs> They're in the holiday spirit as well. <laughs> with the, his jingling. <laughs> yes. His jingling collar. I'm so sorry. He's old and incontinent and I have to take him out while we're talking. I'm just going to step outside so that he can go to the bathroom. But anyway, um, so if you hear that, that's all that's happening. So uh, the three songs that I wrote for this album are... Um, one is called Icicles, and another one is Little Tree, and the last one is I Live Inside a Snow Globe, Shake It Up. So it, those were really, really fun to write and like allow myself the pleasure of making a song that somebody might want to sing around Christmas. Um, so I hope I hope that kids will like them. I hope whole families will like them because I, I love them. Oh, I love that. I love them so much because it's always difficult to find original Christmas music, and yeah. when you and when you do, some of them are just golden little treats that make make Aww. it so just make it different. That mixes it up from what you normally hear. Thank and you. something that I love about the album is. You're always shocking us with the collaborations you have. I mean, Norm Lewis. <laughs> Are you a fan? He's pretty yes. incredible, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I knew of him, but I did not know him before we met in the studio when he came in to record. But I felt very honored that he was willing to come and do it and um and it was just amazing to hear him like walk into the booth and become good king wenceslas <laughs> how did that happen because like friend of a friend like how did that yeah actually yeah someone who works for me um is actually good friends with him and she said you know he might sound great on this album um, and I thought, oh, I've been looking, I've been trying to figure out who I could get to sing the part of Good King Wenceslas in that song. I really wanted that song to come to life as a story because that's how I thought of it as a kid. And, um, and I, I think the words can be a little bit um, opaque. It can be hard to understand what it means when you're young to hear that story. And so I thought it would help to really bring the characters to life, the page and, and the king. Um, so anyway, she mentioned him and I just reached out to his agent and he said yes. So, you know, never hurts to try. That is so, <laughs> that's so true. If yeah. you don't try, you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. You, know, you kind of just got to, sometimes you got to throw a shot in the dark and just do it. Yeah, that's actually... Same thing with Suzy Roach and her daughter, Lucy. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, so I, I'm a huge Roaches fan. I listen to them 
constantly in college. And um, it, it's funny because it was actually what I, I didn't really even remember this. So I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second. Having listened to them in college, they covered the Hallelujah Chorus and they used to open their live shows with it. And I saw them live a couple of times around uh, in those years in the 90s. And, um, and I had forgotten that they did that, but I was in the studio talking to the engineer that I work with, Dave Darlington, who, by the way, is a rock star engineer, if anybody knows of him or doesn't, they should look him up. I would love to talk to him. He on my list. Yeah, he's really quite something. And anyway, so he said, you know, it would be really fun to hear you do the Hallelujah Chorus. I don't know why we were talking about it. I think we were just like looking, listening for um, maybe for horn sounds for other parts of the album. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, I just feel like it would be fun to try to do it myself, you know, acapella. And he said, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And then we ended up adding, we had a trumpeter come in and we added trumpets to it. But when he, he said, that's a great idea, I went home and I mentioned it to my husband, Brian, who's an early, used to be the bass player in my band. And he was like, oh, yeah, don't you remember the Roaches did that? I was like, oh, my God, totally forgot about that. So we started talking about the Roaches. I ended up doing it myself. I mentioned that to Dave and he said, oh, I'm friends with Suzy's husband, <laughs> Suzy being one of the three Roach sisters. And I said, oh my God, do you think she would consider singing on this album with me? And so he just reached out to her and said, hey, would you consider it? She said, yes. And when I started Googling what she was doing these days, I saw she was actually singing with her daughter I think because the Roaches as a band had kind of stopped playing together some years ago, plus one of the three sisters passed away a couple of years ago from breast cancer. Um, so at, at this point, it's Suzy and Lucy. And I thought, well, that would be a beautiful kind of forward movement of having the two of them do what they do now with me and the three of us could maybe make something pretty together so they sang on uh, here we come a wassailing which is actually a song that's on the roaches christmas album which i didn't know when i first asked suzzy about it but that was fun to have her come and sing a slightly different version with me that's always it's really good because every collaboration you have you're a genuine fan of it's not just your collaborations and all of the music are taken with such good care, and I and I love that so much. Thank you. Cause some people do features just to do it. <laughs> yeah, it does. It feels like you need the right uh, spirit, right, around both the connection and the respect musically, and also the sound of the song and what the collaboration is going to be. <clears throat> so a big part of your career is working with children, but a lot of your shows are Christmas based and you make a big deal out of Christmas, as do I. <laughs> you know, what do those interactions and the live shows and the live streams, why do you feel like you, all of you make Christmas so special for audiences. Because 
you do a show every year around Christmas, like a big New York show, and sometimes a tour. What does that mean to you? I think, you know, when I was a kid, I loved just the the feeling around Christmas. It was as soon as the lights would go up in town, as soon as I knew I could watch one of those Christmas specials on TV that, you know, I couldn't just watch on a computer because I was that they didn't do that yet <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, or then when I got a little older, actually going to see the Rockettes um, in Manhattan, like I just felt like, I feel like those things always just made me feel warm inside. And I don't, I'm not a particularly, I have a very mixed religious background. Actually, my mother's whole side is Jewish, although she was raised by her father who converted to Catholicism. So she was raised as a Catholic. I was not. My father was Protestant, but my mom had the Catholic background. And then by the time she had me, she had let that go and was sort of agnostic. So it's and but then I have all these Jewish family members and my own heritage in that. So like I have a huge mix. We didn't really we didn't go to church like I don't have a big religious connection to that time, but what I think of around Christmas is a family time. I feel a certain like sense of possibility, and I think that sort of like that childlike feeling of magic around Christmas. It was kind of the Santa part of it and the the beauty of the way the world got kind of dressed up because it's a dark time of year. It's like, it is the darkest time of year, right? December 22nd anyway. Yeah. Um, it's the shortest day of the year. So I think there was something about the, that sparkle and magic and beauty and feeling of, I experienced it as a feeling of love around that time that I would, I really enjoy trying to create a feeling like that for families. So doing a Christmas show, that's what that means to me when I do it for anybody. I mean, the thing the thing that's hard about it is when people don't really celebrate Christmas, it can get mixed up with all the religious stuff. But what I'm really just trying to do is create a loving, magical experience for kids and families. Yeah, it's warm and it's inviting. And like I said to you, I feel the exact same way about Christmas because my birthday is December 2nd. Uh, so right after Thanksgiving, I want a tree up. <laughs> right. I want it up before my birthday because <laughs> I want that warm feeling for my birthday. Like, it's something that we always do. So. Yeah. You know, I feel that came way back Christmas. Cause creating that world and creating that environment for families is so important. And you always do it so well. Thank you. And I have to make it to one of your holiday shows. I don't think you've done one like with the band on the on the island, have you? You've only done it in the city and that's kinda hard for me to get to. I do. Right. I am doing a Christmas show um, on Long Island this year, but it will be solo. And then the um, 
the band shows are in Terrytown. I will make sure that I go to either one of them because I want to see you again. It's been a while. That would be fabulous. Let's do it. The, the one on Long Island is in Huntington. Yeah, that's like 15 minutes from here. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's not too far at all. One of the other things that I wanted to bring up today, sort of veering away from Christmas, because since we last spoke, I've been more vulnerable about my disability on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for that. I never used to talk about my disability on the podcast because I never wanted it to be the main focus of our show. I wanted it to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. But what does diversity and disability inclusion mean to you? It's such a big part of your, you know, your fan base. Yeah, absolutely true. I mean, I just feel like that's the world. Like we, we're just trying to, I'm trying to help reflect back to families, kids, anyone who's interested in watching my videos in listening to my music, you know, trying to reflect back as much of who they are or might be as I can. And so that means, you know, thinking about how to create things that are that do that for the widest group of people I can right so I feel like when I'm thinking even like set let's take out inclusion is just like that's how everything I feel like should be that's how I have always tried to write Um, but sometimes it can be there's like our own blinders that are on Right, so I can think I'm being inclusive, think I'm writing from a universal um, perspective, and then get educated and learn like, oh, wait a minute, I didn't think of maybe somebody who would not be able to use their legs when I'm writing a running song, right? Like, or they have to do it in a different way. How can I think about the language like just to use a very simple example, how can I think about even the language that I use when I invite kids or anyone who's listening to participate? Then of course, there's just in the videos, making sure that we are showing people who represent all walks of life. And um, I feel like all of those things just, that follows how I feel like, why I feel like I write. Like I write music that I, wish had been there for me when I was a kid. And that means thinking about all kinds of kids, like what, what would reach them, what would reach the most people. And at the same time, you can't be so broad that we leave everybody out. It also yeah. needs to be specific, right? Because that is another way to make sure to be inclusive. So I don't know. Those are those are some of my thoughts about it. I I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but no, absolutely, absolutely. Because seeing myself represented is so important, and I think there are a couple of videos with kids in wheelchairs, and it's not billboard. They're just there. They're one of the group, and it is so great. And so many of them are at the shows. Like I, you know, that's where we're sort of showing just who is, we're showing kids who are 
enjoying the music and that's really the main thing so because we're having this sort of vulnerable conversation right now i like to sometimes when i'm talking to my guests i like to say to turn the tables do you have a question for me about what i do and what just anything that you want to know about me oh that's cool um Is there, well, is there anything that you haven't, well, actually, I don't, that's, that might not, that might be putting you on the spot. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, is there anything you haven't shared about what your experiences, like, like what kinds, I guess I'm thinking about, do you, what kind of things do you struggle with that you don't, you imagine somebody um, without your disability would not be struggling with um, that you maybe haven't talked about on your podcast so far? I think a lot of people downplay how much accessibility there still needs to be in public places. Mm-hmm. Because we're like, for example, we're talking about that venue in Huntington. That venue is accessible, but like, it's hard to get to. The parking is ridiculous. It shouldn't be like that. Got it. Yeah, well, that's actually good for me to know. So, I mean, we should be considered when people think about these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, it's not that we're not. It's, so, it's not even that we're an afterthought. It's just like, it's just not thought about. So I try to talk to people about disability, not in a condescending way, but like sort of like, hey, this is where I'm at. Do you want to learn something? Not yeah. in a preachy way, but just tell them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at their website right now. So it does talk about how you can access the main floor with their elevator, but they do not talk about the parking and how you would get in. Yeah, I think my mom went to a show there and she had to walk like a couple blocks just to, like a while just to get there. And she, right, like, because like, there isn't, you mean because they don't have a dedicated parking area? Is yeah, that part yeah. of the problem? Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So then if you just have to find parking, then you'd have to get yourself there afterwards. After you find your parking. Yeah. Got it. But yeah. again, I'm not calling out the Paramount. I love you guys. No, of course. Of course. But, it's just, and, and, you know, some of that is how that town is constructed and where the theater sits and, you know, what what's available. But it is also something that could be, it could be on their website, like, please be aware that we do not have a lot of parking or things like that. There's a lot of, there are different ways that you can actually be yeah. thinking a little bit ahead. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad that you asked that because a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't think about what I wish people knew. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my main things. It's like, I'm not here for this podcast to be 
disability-centric. I'm just a guy who loves pop culture and loves all this stuff that just happens to be disabled. Mm-hmm. And from the moment we met at that show, we became fast friends. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that you always remember me and talk to me. And there was one time, and I'll never forget this, where, you know, my podcast was in trouble. Do you remember this? What do you mean it was in trouble? I had got, you know, a copyright infringement and they shut my whole podcast. Oh, down. yes, yes, yes. And the first person I talked to was you. And you were like, I really don't know what to do, but, you know, I, I wish you well. And just hearing that from you and knowing that you cared and supported me was so, it was so rewarding. So thank you for that. Oh, I'm so, I'm glad. I wish that I could have been more directly helpful, but I'm glad that the emotional support was also something that helped. I literally lost every single episode of her show and because of one episode that had a little bit of music in it so i was sort of next to not like i didn't have anything so like i knew that support from everybody would help the situation a little bit too That's so good. on that note so thank you so much for chatting today and you know where can people find you and where can people find this festive body of work i love it so much <laughs> so um my website is a great place to start lauriebergner.com there are also a lot of videos of many of the christmas songs that i've recorded on my youtube page the Lori berkner band and the uh, the album is called Another Lori Berkner Christmas because the first one was called A Lori Berkner Christmas. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, very fitting. Yeah. So that, um, and it's available now. So I hope that people will give it a listen. It's also, you can just listen on any of uh, the streaming platforms. Um, but if you want to give it as a gift, um, it's, you know, it's on Amazon, it's on my website, and it's in some of the larger chain stores, I believe, Target and Walmart, etc. And one thing we forgot to talk about really fast. Yeah. Your 25th anniversary. Yeah, that's right. And it's also the 20. So 10 years since I put out my first Christmas album and 25 years since I put out my very first album ever. How does that make you feel? Besides old, um, pretty good. <laughs> I actually don't feel that old from it. I, it just feels like, oh yeah, it was a while ago. And, oh yeah, I um, did this thing. Yeah, I did this thing, and and it's very odd, you know. It's funny. I'm reading a book right now, a, a fiction book that is about some people who are developing a video game, and they t they jump around in time and talk about how when they first tried to develop a game, of course, they imagined, they hoped it would be something that would be classic and would last, you know, for a very long time. But um, that's, it's not always something that happens. The first thing you make, sometimes that's the only thing you make. Sometimes it's the worst thing you make because you need to learn, etc. And I feel like 
the first thing I made, the first song on it was We Are the Dinosaurs. And that's still one of, you know, probably my top 10 songs. And I feel very grateful that people still like to listen to that song and um, that it's still around and I'm still able to make new music that people like, you know, Chipmunk at the Gas Pump, Waiting for the Elevator, very recent songs, and they're also in that top 10. So it's, that feels just like definitely beyond what I could have hoped for. Well, it's always a pleasure having you in whenever your next body of work comes out. You know, let's talk again, because this is always your joy. Thank you. For me, too. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present.